Luke chapter 1. More than likely, it's a story with which you are familiar. But Luke wants us to know something. He wants us to know that what we've heard is true. So he actually begins this gospel by telling us that he's compiled a narrative of the things that have been accomplished. That he's gone around, he's spoken to witnesses, and he has put together this gospel so that people can hear, people can read, and people can know that what they read is true. He's not making it up. He's not adding to it. He's not taking away from it. He's not putting his own little spin to it. All he's done is spoken to witnesses. He's researched, and he's written down for you and for me what he's been told. And his purpose here, once again, is so that you can hear and you cannot doubt that this is exactly what took place. And notice that. Luke, the author of this gospel, clearly comes out of his research. He clearly comes out of this this testimony, these interviews, and he believes this truth, that he believes that what he's telling us is true. And Luke, just like every other biblical author, believes it so much that he's willing to give his life for the truth. Remember that as we read this together. And I want us to read starting at Luke chapter one, we'll be in verse 26. So listen, consider, think through. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you indeed have spoken. We thank you that you have gathered us here this morning, and it's not just so that we can sing songs, not just so that we can start our Christmas off rightly. Lord, you've brought us here because you are speaking to us, because you have a word for us this morning. And so, Father, I do pray that we would hear that word, we would understand that word, We would believe that word and we would trust in you and obey you in all things. Father, we are fallen people. We are a sinful, rebellious people and we need a savior. So thank you for Jesus Christ, the savior of the world, the son of the most high. Now, Lord, turn our eyes to him, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. In the sixth month, 
the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. But not just to a city, but to a specific person. A young girl, actually, a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph. And this Joseph was of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, if you regularly attend this church, you know that the way we usually study the Bible is that we will open up a book, we'll start at chapter 1, verse 1, and we'll just work our way through the text. Uh, we, we take from the text that the point of the text is the point of the sermon, that it's what we're supposed to know. This is called expositional preaching. But every once in a while, you hit a time, like maybe Thanksgiving, maybe Christmas, where you take a break from what you're doing to focus on a specific place. And I feel like every time that day comes, I always go to the Lord and I say, okay, I'm going to read, I'm going to pray. You tell me what you want us to talk about. You tell me what word you have for us this day. What is it you God want to say to your people on Sunday, December 24th of 2023? What chapter? What verse? And for the last few weeks, I've been praying that, and I felt like I kept coming back to this text right here. But as I read them, something kind of strange happened to me. I kept getting hung up on one word. And that one word is actually the seventh word of the text that I couldn't really work my way past that. And I see some of you, you started looking down and you're counting. You had no idea math was going to be involved in church today. Good news for you. What is the word? Gabriel. Gabriel. Now, no good sermon is going to focus fully on Gabriel. Every sermon should turn our eyes ultimately to who? To Jesus. And yet I couldn't get past Gabriel. And so I thought, you know what? Why is this? I'm just going to read about this. I'm going to try to study this angel right here. You ever thought about what his role is in this text? What does he do in the Bible? I never had. I'd never taken time to do that. And so I began just diving in. And I noticed, look, we're in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And Luke is telling us the most important story, the most important truth, and not only the history of the world, but the future of this world and of the next world. He's telling us that Jesus, the Savior and the sustainer of the whole universe, is here, that he's come. And by that verse, the angel Gabriel has shown up twice already. So earlier on in this chapter, Gabriel, this angel comes and he, he shows up to a man named Zechariah, a priest, while he's actually in the temple burning incense. Now, this would have been an awesome duty for Zechariah. Lots were drawn, lots were cast to see which priest was supposed to go into the temple to burn the incense. There was a good chance as a priest you could live your entire life and never get drawn to go into the temple. But this day, Zechariah was drawn that this day in the sovereignty of God, Zechariah the priest was supposed to be in this temple. Why? Because God had a word from him, for him. And so God sends his angel Gabriel to this older priest, to this aged priest, and he comes to him to speak to him. That what the Lord worked out that day through the casting of lots was that it would be Zechariah in that room that day because God had a word for him. 
But that's, that's the sovereignty of God right here. And I don't think we, we stretch it at all. I think we point out the obvious that here you are today. And here I am today. And we're opening up God's word. And we believe the sovereignty of God has brought each of us here today because he has a word for us. Well, Zechariah's in this temple. The people of Israel are all outside the temple and they're praying about what's happening. They're praying for the incense that is rising up to the Lord and they notice something. They notice that this is taking longer than it should. Something's not right. The priest should be out by now. Well, inside the temple, Zechariah, no doubt excitedly with this, this task that has been given to him, he's inside there, he's burning incense. He's in this place that he's never been before, but he's heard about. He's in this place that he will never come again. Once the priest did this once, he was never able to go back into the temple. So you know that in him, there's this kind of anxious Oh, this wonder, this fear at what he's doing. And then suddenly he's in this room and the angel Gabriel shows up to him. Well, as is normal for, for, for people in the Bible, when they see an angel, what do they do? They fall down. And Gabriel tells him, do not be afraid. I've come to bring you news. And he tells Zechariah that his aged wife, Elizabeth, this, this woman that he's been married to for decades who is way past the point of childbearing years is about to conceive. She's gonna give birth to a son and they are to name him John. And John will go before the Messiah and he will make way, make straight paths for the coming king that is coming. That this is John's job. John the, what do we call him? Baptist this is where we take our name from. John the Baptist, that John the Baptist will go into the wilderness and he will make straight paths for the Lord, that this son of Zechariah, this son of Elizabeth will be the herald that announces the coming of the king. Essential, essentially, Gabriel shows up in this temple and he looks at Zechariah and he says, get ready, get ready, Zechariah. God's about to move in power. And we see that after that event, Elizabeth conceives and she hides herself for five months. That she remains hidden in her home for five months. And then we come to our text this morning and it says in the sixth month. That's not June. That's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. And here we have Gabriel comes again. That God sends Gabriel this time to a small town named Nazareth to a young girl named Mary who's engaged to a young man named Joseph. And Gabriel tells her, Mary, you're going to conceive. You're gonna bear a son. You will call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high and the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over that house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Now, in, on Sundays, we've been in 1 Samuel. Everything we've seen in 1 Samuel is actually pointing to this, right? We've been talking about how these kings are wanted by Israel. They get Saul, and he's not exactly the perfect king. But don't worry, David's coming. But even David is just a picture of the king that Israel needs, that the world needs. Here we are, and this is what it's been pointing to. The king is coming, the king in the line of David, the king whose, whose, whose reign will have no end. 
And we learn that this king is to be born to this young mother, and he is the son of the Most High God. Matthew goes further to tell us that his name is Jesus, which means Savior. That God loves you too much to leave you in your sin and in his judgment, so he sends a Savior. That this child who we celebrate, who's born to this young mother, is the one that God sends to save his people from their sins. Here we are once again. Gabriel comes. And when we see him, what does he say? Get ready. God's about to move in power. Something's coming. Be ready. Tomorrow's Christmas Day. We're celebrating the birth of the Savior, the eternal God who wraps himself in flesh, who was born in the likeness of man, who walked this earth and gave his life as a ransom for sinners because he is the Savior. It's an incredible truth, the greatest story ever told. And yet even those who rarely go to church, for the most part, many of them know this story. Many of them could tell you this right here, even if they just watched the Peanuts Christmas special, right? They know this. It's a story we might know so well that we forget that this is our sovereign God moving in mighty power for us. Well, as I told you, I got to Gabriel, the seventh word, and I just kind of said, okay, let's, let's, let's keep looking into this that he, he plays such a big role in this story. I just wanted to see, does he show up anywhere else? And I found him one other place, that Gabriel shows up right here in chapter one of Luke, and Gabriel shows up in the book of Daniel, and that's it. So in Daniel chapter 8, Daniel has a vision of all that's going to happen in the coming days of Israel. And in this vision... He sees a ram standing beside the bank of a canal, and the ram has big horns on his head, and everywhere the ram goes, he destroys everything. But that's the vision that Daniel has. And then finally, he says the vision changes a little bit because a goat comes from over here, and that goat has one horn on its head, and the goat comes up to the ram and actually tramples the ram to death. You ever had a, a dream like that? Where you wake up and you're thinking, what did I eat? What just happened? What was that about? I had a dream last week where I was like the flash, but I was totally normal. And you know my view on running. I give that to you. Don't do it. But I woke up thinking, what in the world was that? That's where Daniel is. He wakes up from this, this vision, he's, and he doesn't know what to do with it. And so you know what happens? God sends Gabriel and says, let me tell you what the vision is about. Let me explain to you what the ram was, what the goat was, the destruction was. Let me tell you what it's about. And Daniel hears the vision that, that Gabriel explains, and he says, it was so bad that I got sick, and I lay in bed for a number of days after that. And then Daniel, it says, he responds to that by going to the Lord in prayer. It's, good, it's a good thing to do. When bad news comes, 
When you look around and everything looks awful, when things look like they're falling apart, what do you do? Go to the Lord in prayer. That's what Daniel does. And he's pouring out his heart in prayer. He's pouring out his heart as a representative of the people of God. So he's kind of repenting for the nation. He's repenting of their sin. He's repenting of how they had turned from the Lord in the first place. And he's calling upon the righteousness of God to come and act for his people. And this is how he closes his prayer to God. He concludes in, verse nine, in chapter 9 of Daniel, he says, God, we don't present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of yours. We're not coming to you because we are righteous. We're coming to you because you are merciful. And he says, oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, oh my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Essentially, Daniel's just saying this. We are yours, God, and we need you. We are yours, God, and we need you. And while Daniel is calling out to the Lord, he says, suddenly, flying to him in swiftness. He says, he came to me in swift flight. Who was it? Gabriel. That Gabriel shows up to Daniel and this is what he says. Oh, Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. Let me tell you what is happening and hear what he says. I love this. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out and I've come to tell it to you for you are greatly loved. So Daniel falls apart when he hears what's about to happen. And he goes to the Lord and he's, he's crying out to the Lord and Gabriel flies swiftly to him. And let me read it again. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out. And I've come to tell it to you for you are greatly loved. Now I read that and you know the first thought I had was that's what he's doing everywhere that that's what Gabriel is doing in Luke. Every time Gabriel shows up, that's what he's saying. You need mercy, and a word has gone out, and I've come to tell it to you because you are greatly loved. This morning, you need to know this. When we talk about Gabriel coming to Zechariah in the temple, the Lord's word is coming to his servant to say, Zechariah, you are greatly loved. And I'm moving on your behalf. When Gabriel comes to Mary and tells her the news, what is he essentially saying? Mary, you're greatly loved, and I'm moving on your behalf. When you and I sit here or stand here, whatever the case may be, this morning or every single Sunday, and we see our need of mercy, we see our need of God's righteousness and God's grace. You need to know this. A word has gone out from God because you are greatly loved. And when we look to Jesus, even when we look to the manger, you need to know that in your need of mercy, that's the word of the Lord that has gone out because you are greatly loved. Isn't that what John 1, 1 says? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word 
was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That in Christ, in Jesus, in this word was life, and that life was the light of men. And then the word became flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we've seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace upon grace. Look, understand what we celebrate every Christmas. In your need of mercy, the word of the Lord has come because he loves you. That God so loved you and me that he sent his only begotten son, this word made flesh, that if you would believe on him, you will not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Like, I don't know what you're facing this Christmas. We talk about this regularly. For some of us, Christmas is this glorious, joyful season. For some of you, this is going to be so hard because this is that time where you're in that trial, you're in that pain. This may be that first Christmas without that loved one, without that spouse, without that child, without that mother, whatever it is. You may be in the midst of hardship or pain or loss, and it's anything but a Merry Christmas. So hear this word this morning. In your need of mercy, in hurts and pains and longings and tears, the word of God has come because he loves you. Don't just hear this word from Gabriel. Hear it from me, which is way less impressive. Don't just hear it from us, see it. See it in the manger. As you look to the manger, see it as the, at the cross as you look to the cross that the word of God has come for you. The Savior has come for you. The High King forever and ever has come for you. And if you will call on his name and put your faith in him, you will be saved. That's the message of Gabriel because that is the word of God for us this morning, this Christmas season. Don't miss the Christ. We can do that, can't we? We work all the way through Christmas and we miss the Christ. So friends, turn your eyes upon Jesus this morning. Look, if you've never trusted in him as your savior, today's the day. Look to him in faith. If you want to talk to me about that, come find me after or come up during the the song of response. I'd love to talk to you. Look, if you're already a Christian, you're already trusting in Jesus, don't forget him this Christmas. Don't miss him. Don't let the good news become old news. The word of God has come because he loves you. 